I hate how there's this huge divide when it comes to how you feed your baby. And not everyone is on one side or the other when it comes to breastfeeding versus formula. A lot of us have had to do a mix of both. But I know that I personally felt a lot of external pressure to breastfeed and I wanted to do it, but I did not prepare myself for what would happen if I couldn't do it successfully. So I'm very grateful for today's guest, Mallory Whitmore. She's from the Formula Mom on Instagram and she's a certified infant feeding technician. She provides helpful information and support for parents who are formula feeding or looking into it as an option. So today's episode is one that can help you feel good about formula feeding. If you're new, welcome. I'm Casey Barnes, registered dietitian nutritionist and mom of two living in Dallas, Texas. This is the Mama Knows Nutrition Podcast. And if you're a parent to a little one, you're going to want to stick around. Hit the follow button on your podcast app so that you can always find me. I release a new episode every other Monday. And in the meantime, just come hang out on Instagram. I share lots of nutrition tips. I try to make them in bite-sized pieces so you all can remember them. And one of my favorite things is When I run into people who follow me on Instagram and they're like, ah, we've been doing this one tip and it's helping us so much. Like, I just love being able to help y'all in that way. And in my stories on Instagram, it's like a mom hangout session, like the things that I'd share with my best friend and I just have to share with y'all. And I love chatting with you guys in DMs too. So, okay, it's time to bring on Mallory. So here we go. Hi, Mallory. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to have you here today. I think that this has been a wild year in the land of formula. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm Mallory Whitmore. I'm the founder of The Formula Mom, which is an online educational platform dedicated to providing information and support to formula feeding parents. And so I exist on Instagram and TikTok website, and I have a variety of resources for that support. I wish that I had found you or someone like you when Teddy, so he's seven now, so it's been Mm -hmm. a while, but you know, I had struggles with breastfeeding and Mm -hmm. I felt so guilty about Mm -hmm. having to use some formula. And I'm sure I'm not the only mom who has felt that way. Not at all. And truly me deciding to go into this work was really born out of the experience that I had with my almost six-year-old, she turned six tomorrow, and how difficult our feeding journey was and that I couldn't find any sort of information that I felt like was evidence-based, high quality, judgment-free, and sort of the dichotomy between all this information that I had and could find about breastfeeding. And I didn't even know truly like how to safely make a bottle, like what sort of water to use, really basic information. And I couldn't find it. And so here we are. (laughs) I was like, wait, I think I could do this. I love that. So you are a certified infant feeding technician. Tell us what that means. Yeah. So it's typically a clinical role, somebody that works in the hospital with pediatricians, doctors, dietitians to make sure that whatever a baby is feeding, whether they're being tube fed, uh, donor milk, mother's milk, or formula 
is prepared safely and appropriately, and they also provide parent education upon discharge. So I obviously don't work in a clinical setting, but have taken the knowledge gained through my educational experience there, and I'm using Instagram as my educational platform. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, I'm glad that there are people like you out there because there are so many questions and Mm -hmm. so many different things. You know, if you just went I mean, before there was a formula shortage, you could go and look (laughs) at this whole aisle of things and say, how do I know? And what I think is interesting, too, is I know that some of those bigger formula brands, like they Mm -hmm. really push hard to get samples into doctor's offices and things like that. So it's like, Mm -hmm. well, what my doctor gave me, like, is that the best thing? What would you Mm -hmm. say about that? Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, Until six months ago, when we really started to see a shortage my job was really centered around helping people sort of cut through the noise about what to pick and how to understand different labels or marketing terms and what's legitimate and what's just noise. But obviously things have shifted to now I'm doing a lot of education about, you know, if you can't find this, try this. So yeah. And there's the world of formula marketing, especially is really tricky, um, sort of fraught. And there are a lot of unethical ways that formula companies, especially the big three market. And it's unfortunate because there's a lot of parents that come to me with preconceived notions about what is best for their baby. And then they feel bad if their baby doesn't tolerate it, or they can't afford it, or they can't find it. And so I talk a lot on my page about really that the best formula is the one that works for your baby and that you as a parent feel good about, and that that's going to really differ based on each individual baby's needs and each individual family's priorities. What would you say is like the most common concerns that you hear from parents who are needing to use formula or wanting to use formula? A lot of parents have concerns about obesity later in life, you know, greater incidence of ear infections or allergies and eczema. And so I talk a lot on my page about what the studies say. I help parents understand you know, relative risk versus overall risk. When we think about ear infections, the research does say that formula-fed infants are twice as likely to get an ear infection their first year. But a lot of parents don't realize that the risk increases from 2% to 4%. So your baby's still 96% likely to not get any ear infection no matter how they feed. So I do a lot of work around sort of breaking down formula feeding myths. And then I think there's also a lot of concern and question about formula ingredients, you know, why are there vegetable oils? You know, what do we think about corn syrup and sort of helping parents understand why those ingredients might be in there, how they help support growth among infants and why it's okay to use a product, even with an ingredient that you as an adult might prefer to avoid simply because, you know, this is your baby's sole source of nutrition. Yes. I feel like there has to be more of this communication around like, we're not always going to be able to get them like the absolute best Mm -hmm. perfection, you know, like that's not always an option, but what Mm -hmm. can we do that's still really good for them and feel like that is Mm -hmm. doing what they need. Like they, they Mm -hmm. need to get fed at the end of the day. Right. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that babies are not little adults and that what works for adults is not always necessarily possible for infants. 
And yeah, that their needs are just different. And, you know, we can get fat from avocados or fish or almonds or whatever. And uh, for babies, they're, they're just limited, limited options. And so vegetable oils might have to be it. And that's okay, because those essential fatty acids are more important. <laughs> we can't leave them out Mm-mm. than, um, you know, finding a recipe that feels like the pinnacle, you know. Absolutely. And I've seen more online of people, you know, thinking about making their own homemade Mm -hmm. formula or trying to find these ones from other countries. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's this whole impression out there that for some reason, the formulas that we are used to seeing here in the Mm -hmm. U.S. are bad. Like, Mm -hmm. what is your feeling on that? Where does that come from? And like, Mm -hmm. why is that such a thing? Yeah, that's a good question. And I see it all the time too. It's definitely a pretty widespread belief, especially it seems to me among folks with, you know, higher socioeconomic status who can afford to import from Germany or whatever else. I think there's some truth to the fact that European standards are stricter than what the FDA requires and things like They don't permit the use of corn syrup or corn syrup solids. They limit the use of sucrose, table sugar to a certain percentage of the carb source. They have stricter As opposed to like lactose or... Right, yeah. The great, great, great majority of European formulas are lactose-based where, you know, in the US more than 50% are reduced lactose and include some sort of corn syrup or maltodextrin. The European Commission has stricter guidelines for things like pesticide residues. So... Of course, on the surface, you're like, that sounds great. Why don't we do that here? But just because the European Commission has stricter requirements doesn't mean that our U.S. formulas don't also meet a lot of those requirements. A lot of the formulas that we see on the shelf go above and beyond what the FDA requires. The FDA has not substantially increased or substantially modified their infant formula requirements since 1986. (laughs) So uh, there's been a lot of research and a lot of uh, new knowledge that has been gained, not only about formula research, but about breast milk research in that time. And so we do have a lot of formulas domestically that offer a lot of the same things we see in European formulas, whether that's, you know, organic, non-GMO, clean label project certified, exclusively lactose-based, palm oil-free, Even now with the shortage, we are getting some imported formulas from Europe. So now we've got goat milk formulas on the shelf, A2 formulas on the shelf. So I really like to encourage parents that you're not going to get an inherently better product just because you're ordering it from Europe. You really have to look at the ingredient list itself and think through what's important to you, what your baby tolerates well, and then make a decision from there. And then Of course, there are also risks associated with importing third party, which is that if there's a recall, you're not likely to hear about it because, you know, you've taken your step several sort of middlemen away from the source. You don't know how that formula is transported, how it's stored, what temperature it comes at. You run the risk of your formula being damaged in shipment. It can get caught in customs for weeks and weeks. It can be seized and destroyed by customs. There's just, yeah, you might have a product that comes, you know, and the mixing instructions are in German or Dutch or whatever. And so, you know, you also have the risk that you don't prepare the formula appropriately. So I would never begrudge anyone for choosing European formula, but because there are really, really great options domestically, I tend to encourage folks to do that just because it's a safer option for infants. 
Yeah. I never thought about all of those things along the there's way. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot uh, that can go wrong if you're, you know, sort of sneaking it in. Is the cost much higher for those ones if you're mm-hmm. getting it? Okay. Only if you're going through a third party retailer. So, and it's so interesting. So Kenda Mill is a new, uh, a new entrant to the U.S. market through the FDA's enforcement discretion pathway. So the FDA has allowed Kenda Mill, which is a UK brand, to sell in the US under FDA approval because of the shortage. And here in the US, they're selling for $33.99 for a 900 gram can, which by US standards is very cost effective. That same can in the UK sells for like 11 pounds. It's so much cheaper. Wow. So generally speaking, European formula is cheaper for Europeans, but by the time that you get a third-party retailer who's willing to operate in a gray area (laughs) of both legality and ethics, they're going to take a big cut. So if you're importing from a third-party retailer, the price, you know, that $33 can might be $56, which just gets really unreasonable for most families. Totally. Did you know that kids eat 1,095 meals a year? Ah, and if you include snacks, it's more like four trillion meals a year. (laughs) And the best part is that we parents have the grand honor of making sure that they're fed each and every one. Honestly, that responsibility kind of sucks sometimes, but we're here with some real help and camaraderie too. We're Stacey and Megan, hosts of Didn't I Just Feed You, a weekly podcast that gets real about what it takes to feed our families. We are two longtime food professionals who between us have worked on five cookbooks, two TV shows, countless stories for publications like Better Homes and Gardens, Every Day with Rachel Ray, Epicurious, and TheKitchen.com. And between us, we also parent four kids between the ages of seven and 15. Despite all of this work experience, at the end of the day, we too are just two working parents who also get tired of making meals happen at home. Tune in to Didn't I Just Feed You for meal inspiration, kitchen tricks, product recommendations, and big laughs from two moms who get it. From how to turn nachos into a family dinner to what you should do when you don't feel like cooking, we've got you covered. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're also at Didn't I Just Feed You on all social. What would you say to the parents who know that they probably need to use formula, but they're worried about their baby not getting as many benefits as they would Mm -hmm. from breast milk? Yeah, that's a great question. And you will never hear me say that formula is equivalent to breast milk or that formula offers everything that breast milk does. There are certain bioactive components in breast milk that just cannot be replicated in formula at this point. What I like to encourage parents is that those bioactive components that really get talked up in breast milk, like immune properties, stem cells, hormones, growth factors, those are things that babies are going to be exposed to in the womb throughout their nine months. So it's not like if you choose not to breastfeed that your baby just, you know, it's not binary. They get it or they don't. These are all great attributes that your baby was exposed to in pregnancy. Breast milk can continue that exposure. But if that's not something that your baby offers there, it's not use it or lose it, I guess, in that sense. And I think a lot of parents don't know that and that can help. And then I also tend to talk to parents a lot about different ways to sort of target some of those breast milk benefits like immune system development. So I talk a lot about other ways to support the immune system, to build up the gut microbiome, you know, let your kid play with your dog, let them sit Mm -hmm. in the dirt, you know, sometimes, you know, probiotic supplement might make sense. 
obviously, you know, if your kid is gets sick at daycare or whatever, that builds up their immune system. Yes. <laughs> and so I think a lot of it is just sort of breaking apart what those benefits are, thinking about how meaningful they are, recognizing that there are other ways to gain some of those benefits, and also realizing that even if your baby doesn't get some of those benefits, the research doesn't say that that's likely to be a make or break lifestyle success outcome situation for your kid. Totally. Great if you can have it. If you can't, your kid is likely to turn out the same way they would have anyway. Yes. I love that you said that. I do feel like it's helpful to think about it is kind of like there's some bonus things in breast mm-hmm. milk, but yeah. they're not necessary to your child's well-being. They can still mm-hmm. thrive. And like, I feel like there's something to be said about, you know, mom's mental health, if that's a component of it, you know, there's so many other things that go into it that like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe this is just a better choice for your family and okay, they're not Mm -hmm. getting those specific immune benefits Mm -hmm. from breast milk itself, but like you're able to be a more present parent. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Absolutely. I talk about that a lot on my page with my own personal experience with our daughter which is that for the first two months of her life, I was so focused on getting her those breast milk benefits that I thought were so crucial that my attachment to her was basically like non-existent. And now I look back and I'm like, that was not a good trade-off for me. Like whatever benefit she got from breast milk was not worth the, the true detriment that resulted from me feeling so disengaged from her and not being able to, you know, engage and meet her needs responsively because of the impact on my mental health. So yeah, there's absolutely a real thing there that I like to encourage parents to think about. You you know, it's not a, a net positive always offering those breast milk benefits. Yeah. I had a really hard time with Teddy when we started breastfeeding because We didn't know that he had a tongue tie at first, Mm -hmm. so I was in so much pain. I was bleeding. I was miserable, and I just felt like I was failing him because, Mm -hmm. like, this was my job. My job was to nourishment, and I'm doing terribly at it. And so it's like if I could have had someone say, like, listen, we're going to figure this out. Let's also introduce some formula so Mm -hmm. that you cannot be in excruciating pain and hate the thought of him latching on. Mm -hmm. Like I crit, it was terrible, you know, and I felt like that was my only option was to suffer Mm -hmm. through it. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a point to be made there too, that for a lot of families, introducing formula allows them to breastfeed longer because it takes some of the pressure off. It allows them to take steps to improve their mental health because they're not the sole source provider of nutrition day and night. And I, I wish there was a more conversation about combination feeders, feeding and supplementing. It sometimes feels very either, or, you know, you have to pick a lane, you either exclusively breastfeed or, you know, you give that up and you formula feed. When for a lot of folks, even just introducing a bottle or two a day can be helpful in prolonging the length of time that they're able to breastfeed if they want to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. I needed this seven years ago, (laughs) but hopefully someone else can benefit from it now. Now, if somebody is in this stage where Mm -hmm. they're looking at formulas, like what are some of the things that they 
should be thinking about Mm -hmm. when this is a decision that they need to make? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, all formulas offer the same general nutrition. They're going to have the same number of calories per ounce, the same amount of carbohydrate per calorie, you know, all of that. So you can't really go wrong in that sense from the perspective of all of these products are clinically proven that they're going to help your baby grow. Beyond that, though, I tend to encourage folks to look at particular ingredients just because it increases the likelihood that your baby's going to tolerate the formula. It also you know, when I talk to parents about what they want in the formula, the biggest thing they always say is I want it to be closest to breast milk. And so if we're looking for a product that's closest to breast milk, something that uses lactose as the carbohydrate is the first thing I always tell people. We know that babies are biologically designed to digest it. Breast milk actually has significantly more lactose than either goat's milk or cow milk. And so this idea that babies are, could be lactose intolerant is very, very rare. It's very rare. It's very rare. And I feel like that's a huge piece of misinformation that, you know, oh, your baby might need a lactose-free formula. Most of the time, that is not true. So lactose base, if you can find it, if you can afford it, something with added whey protein, breast milk, mature breast milk has about 60% whey protein to 40% casein. Cow milk has about 18 to 20% whey protein, so significantly less. So babies tend to tolerate formulas better if they have added whey protein so that it's closer to the protein structure in breast milk. There's no real way unless you call the manufacturer to be like, how much whey protein is in your formula? But generally speaking, you want whey to be listed on the ingredients list within the first three or four ingredients. That'll tell you that there is extra whey added, which is going to increase the digestibility. You can look for I call them nice to have extras, things like DHA, which is a fatty acid, great for brain development and eye health, ARA, another one, Uh, prebiotic fibers, oligosaccharides, some formulas have probiotics, but really the big thing is just that added way, lactose-based, start there. And then, you know, if your baby doesn't tolerate it, then start looking at, do I need something that has hydrolyzed protein, something that's broken down a little bit easier to digest, or maybe you might need something hypoallergenic. But, you know, if you know your baby or you don't know your baby yet, you don't think they have any allergies, something lactose-based with added whey is a good place to start. That's very helpful. And then what would some signs be of like, okay, seems like they're Mm -hmm. tolerating this well. Yeah. And it's tricky because, you know, you know, anybody who's had a baby knows that babies, it can be really hard to assess what's a normal baby thing and what's maybe a symptom of something else. So, you know, gas and reflux or, you know, infrequent stooling or even straining while they're stooling at first can all be very normal. Things that I tell parents to look for that may indicate an intolerance or that you want to try something else would be always blood in the stool. If you are seeing a lot of mucus in the stool, uh, widespread rash, eczema, hives, uh, things like that. Projectile vomiting, definitely talk to your pediatrician. Poor weight gain, really inconsolable colic. Sometimes switching a formula can help if there's some sort of intolerance causing that discomfort. So it's hard to piece out even for providers, uh, you know, what's a normal baby thing versus what's, what's potentially something that can be changed with the formula. But any of those symptoms that I mentioned that are more extreme, you definitely want to chat with your pediatrician about whether a formula switch could make sense. Yes. And even if you're like, I don't know, I say still ask the pediatrician, Mm -hmm. like they're never going to be. 
mad absolutely. when you ask the question. No, absolutely. And I will say though, that, you know, with my first, so I, I did this myself and I also see it sometimes when I'm talking to parents, sometimes there's this belief that if you just find the right formula, all of your baby's issues will go away. And so I think we tried like seven formulas in the first like 12 weeks of my baby's life and switching too often or too quickly can sometimes make those symptoms worse because your baby's digestive system is like, what's happening? (laughs) You know, they're brand, they're brand new. They're not used to, you know, a flood of different ingredients every day. So I do encourage folks try to give a formula at least two weeks before switching to something new, unless you're seeing signs of allergy, in which case you'd want to switch quicker. Yes. Very, very helpful. Tell me what resources you have for parents. Mm -hmm. What can they find? Yeah. So I have a ton of free information on Instagram at the formula mom. And then at theformulamom.com, I have a free formula guide, which is a curated list of my favorite formulas by type. So formulas I recommend for brand new babies, gentle formulas, sensitive formulas, formulas for more significant needs like allergies. So that's free. You can find out on my website. I have a formula finder, which is an online tool where you can put in what symptoms you're seeing in your baby and what sort of criteria you're interested in in a formula. It'll give you a recommendation. And then I also have, I call it the all access formula index, which is a catalog of every formula on the U S market, key features, ingredient list, as well as similar substitutes. And so that's been really helpful for folks in light of the shortages. You can go in, click on the formula that you're using, and it'll give you four or five alternative formulas that are similar in composition that you can look for if you can't find the one that you typically use. Very cool. Well, I'll definitely put a link to the free guide in the show notes so that people Mm -hmm. can find it. And I just encourage anybody who's listening who thinks they might need formula is using formula to Mm -hmm. follow Mallory because I definitely get like mama bear over my people Mm -hmm. in my community. (laughs) And I really get upset of anybody who's shaming other parents Mm -hmm. and you do not do that at all. So thank you for being a positive person in this Mm -hmm. space. Yeah, absolutely. More, everyone's welcome. More is more over here in in our (laughs) world. So I appreciate that. I love it. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You know, we really didn't get into it in this episode, but I was just thinking, like, no one wants to feel badly about how they feed their baby. And I have a theory about why some people get so rude and so intense about breastfeeding versus formula feeding or even what you eat or don't eat if you're breastfeeding and all of that. And my theory is that they really, those people who get so intense, like, They really need to feel good about their own experience or their own choice. And it's almost like they want to try to get everyone to agree with them so that they can feel validated. Or it's like they have to put their thing on you to be like, this is the way that's right so that they can feel better about it. But like that doesn't even work, right? And I just think you can never know everything that someone is going through. And even if you did, It feels really bad to be judged on the decisions you make for your child because really, usually you are doing your absolute best. Anyway, thanks again to Mallory for the support she provides families in this challenging season of life with feeding babies. And I'll be back here in two Mondays. I'll talk to you then. 